Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Good morning. I'm tired of putting up that jump. Just kidding, just kidding. Kind of, would that make you nervous? Nah, it would make y'all nervous. You feeling good? Pumped up? Ready to go? It's good to be back. Uh, it was good to have uh, a few weeks to, uh, to study and to, uh, to think and to plan and to, and to work on my own relationship with, with Jesus. Uh, you know, it really doesn't, it's, it's not just about getting up every week and, and having a message. It's having a message from, from God. It's not about preaching sermons. It's about having a message. And the only way you can have a message is if you spend time with Him. And uh, so that's what I get to do sometimes. We have an incredible preaching team, do we not? Oh, come on. Y'all got to do better now. Woo-woo! Yeah, I'm so thankful for, uh, for these guys and uh, for their willingness to, uh, to stand in and, and speak and uh, sometimes give you a different perspective um, than, than, you've, <laughs> than you've heard. Because I'm just weird. Let's just, let's just admit it. I'm a little weird. I'm a little strange. And so then you get to hear some sane people, and it just kind of balances things out a little bit. So I'm excited to be back this morning. Uh, welcome to week three of Running in Circles. And in case you've missed it, it's been a series about the endless pursuit of more. And I thought, what better time of the year to talk about running in circles when your finances with your money than after Christmas, right? Because every year, every year at Christmas, Christians say the same old thing. We, we say the same old thing every year. Sometimes, you know, Christmas starts earlier every year. You know, uh, Christmas music starts earlier. The advertisements start earlier. And we say, you know what? Christmas has just become way too commercialized, right? Come on, somebody give me amen. Somebody else, oh, me. Yeah. But here's the thing. It does get a little bit complicated, really, at Christmas when Christmas kind of put you in the mood of giving and then you want to give to the people that you love, right? So you want to buy them the perfect gift and so you stress and you strain and you look and you pray and you just want to buy them the right thing, the perfect gift. So the temptation is really to go into stupid debt buying gifts that we can't afford for the people that we love. Because let's just be honest, nothing really spells I love you like deep debt. Right? Baby, we're broke. But look at the stuff you got, you know. I mean, we're in deep debt. I mean, we're struggling, we're straining, but it says, I love you. Somehow that's kind of weird, but that's kind of what we think. And then the first of the year rolls around like, you know, January, and we go crazy trying to pay it all off. And we have good intentions. We really do. We have good intentions. We're going to pay it all off. But then, but then there's Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day is right around the corner, and we do the same thing again. Just as we're kind of getting ahead, we're, you know, we're, we kind of navigated our way through January, paid off maybe a bill or two, and then, and then there's, there's Valentine's Day. And then, again, nothing says I love you like debt. And then, and then there's the birthday gifts, and there's the baby showers, and there's all those things that go on. And, and the truth of it is, is that we just see, it just seems like we never get ahead. 
And some of us are convinced that the problem is we just don't make enough. You know, the problem, we get angry at our, the company that we work for. We get angry at our boss because we, we just don't, we're just not making enough. But I think a lot of us have figured out that it's not, that's not necessarily true. It's really not true that we don't make enough because the more that we make, the more that we spend. And then we go around in circles. Has anybody ever heard of that song? Anybody even? Thank you. Some of you young people don't even know. You just Billy Preston, way back in the day. I'm saying this is good stuff. So the solution really, you know, isn't making more. Making more doesn't necessarily fix the problem, so we have to find balance. So this morning I want to talk to you about the laws of physical balance and how they can apply to financial balance. And I read that there are actually three laws, three laws of physical balance. And if you understand the laws of physical balance, it's going to be much easier for you to wrap your brain around this thing called financial balance. And the first law, the very first law of physical balance is you have to have the proper reference point. So if I'm going to balance this bat... Those of you that are on the front, you better be careful. I'm not really good at this. I can only balance this bat if I have the proper reference point. Now, the reference point is the top of the bat, right? So, like, if I look at the bottom, see, I lost it. Or if, if maybe, you know, I just decided to just turn away altogether, then I lose balance. You have to have the proper reference point so I think the question would be what is the proper reference point when it comes to my finances what's the proper reference point Proverbs chapter 27 verse 23 says this be sure that you know the condition of your flocks give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. So back in the day, a rancher's, a farmer's assets would be tied up in, in their livestock. So this particular passage speaks to those people. They clearly understand. God says, really, if you, the proper reference point is you have to know the condition of your flocks. Now for us, it might make more sense to say, know the condition of your finances. And the idea is this. It's really simple. You got to ha- know how much money's coming in, and you got to know how much money's going out. Does that make sense? You got to know how much money's coming in, and you got to know how much money's going out. That is the reference point. If you've ever said, and I've heard this many times over the years, I've said it myself. I just don't know where all my money goes. You ever come to the end of the month, you know, and you're flat broke, and you think, how can this be? I mean, what if you're honest enough to say, you know what, I, we got a raise this year, I'm making more money than we've ever made, I make more money than I've ever made in my life, and yet when I look back at my finances, I'm always broke. If you've ever said, I just don't know where all my money goes, if you've ever said that, that's a huge warning sign that you do not know the condition of your flocks, you don't know the condition of your finances. So how can you know the condition of your finances? This is very complicated. This is high finance stuff, okay? That's why they wanted me to, in particular, to bring this message because I am way up there when it comes to intellect. My wife's the only one. She laughed. I don't understand that. 
I'm the one to bring the message because this is so incredibly complicated. You, you, you need to take notes on your, on your finances. You need to take notes. You need to write down the date. Take your piece of paper, high finance. Take a piece of paper, any piece of paper. We've actually provided a worksheet for you this morning. You can see that on one side of, of, of that worksheet. Write down the date. Write down what you bought. Write down how much it cost. What do you think? Now, when I say write down what you bought, I literally do mean write down every single dime that you spend. I know people, for example, that will write down, they'll talk about a mortgage, they'll talk about a car payment, they'll talk about, about insurance, they'll, they'll get, uh, you know, the, the big things that, that takes their money, but what they forget to write down is when they stop by Starbucks five days a week and they spend five bucks a pop on a coffee. Or, or I've known people say, well, you don't want, like, if I stopped and, at, at the QT and if I filled up with gas and if I went in and I got a drink, and if I just got a drink, it's just a drink, it's $1.80 or whatever drinks are now, two fifty. I don't even know what they cost. But if you were there, I don't buy those anymore. But if you went in and you were to purchase one, you say, well, that's not a big deal. But if you bought one every single day, it becomes a big deal. And it's every single day, if you spent $5 a day, five days a week for a coffee, that's $25 a week. I'm not real good at math, but that's 100 bucks a month that you're just spending on coffee. And you don't even realize, because you don't know the condition of your finances. So keep an honest record of every dime that you spend. Second law of balance is this. It's really simple. I've got the right reference point. But the thing of it is, in order for me to keep this bat balanced, is I have to constantly be making corrections. If I try to just be still, I'm going to lose the bat. So in your finances as you're keeping really good records and you start to know the condition of your money, probably what's going to happen is you're going to determine that, that you may be spending more money than you're making. Hello? So you may understand that every month, at the end of the month, when you're struggling financially, and when you couldn't figure out why you're struggling financially, is you go back and you've kept a detailed record literally of every dime you spent, every time you stopped at the QT, every time you bought a coffee, every time you stopped by Ingles to get another bag of cookies, because let's just be honest, they just don't last. Every dime that you spend, you may look back and realize the reason that I'm broke is all my money's tied up in Butterfingers and Diet Cokes, which doesn't make any sense. A Butterfinger? A Diet Coke. You drink a Diet Coke because you can have two Butterfingers, right? I don't, know, I don't know how that figures. So you have to keep good records, and when you do that, what you may realize at the end of the month is I'm going to have to make some adjustments because I'm really spending more money than I'm making. One correction that you might want to make if you want to be uh, balanced in your finances is adjusting your debt. Now, why do we go into debt? 
I think that generally speaking, we go into debt because we want to raise our standard of living. I've been there. Karen and I have been there. So is it a sin to raise your standard of living? Not necessarily. It's not necessarily a sin to raise your standard of living. There's basically two ways that you can raise your standard of living. One is you actually save and invest and work your way up. Again, that's why I'm doing the message. It's real high-level finance, right? You just, you just save, you work hard, you save your money, and then you work your way up. When Karen and I first got married, I wanted to make sure that she was in the best car that we could, that we could afford. And that's exactly what we did. She was in the best car that we could afford, which meant that I was in the junker. I remember the first car that we had was 500 bucks. The only thing that held it together was rust. I mean, I'm not kidding you. It, it, was, it was not much. And so I remember that what I decided was I wanted to raise my standard of living. I wanted a nicer, better car. So you know what I did? I started buying and, and selling cars. And so I sold the $500 car. I'll never forget this. I saved my money. I sold the $500 car. I made a couple hundred dollars. And then I was able to, find, I was able to buy me a $1,000 car. And then I went from a $1,000 car to a $1,500 car. Then it was a $1,500 car that was a $2,000 car. And I remember the day that I finally was able to drive a $2,500 car. I was the man, let me just tell you. I mean, I had air conditioning and everything. It worked. I mean, it was so cool. And then I remember when I went from a $2,500 car, it's the truth, to a $3,000 car. So one way is to, is to save and invest and work your way up. The other way that you can increase your standard of living is to go into debt. One is fast, one is slow. One brings peace, the other brings woe. I should have been a rapper. That was pretty cool, wasn't it? The Bible is full of information about the use of debt. And here's a verse that I think it just makes perfect sense. I think it makes perfect sense whether you've been in church for Oh, for your whole life, 50 years, or whether you've been in church for just one day and this is your very first day. Try it out of Proverbs 22, verse 7. It says, the rich rule over the poor. And all the poor people said, hmm. And the borrower is slave to the lender. How many of you would be honest enough to say, maybe just to slip up your hand and say, I know, I know what it's like to be a slave to the bank. I know what that feels like. I know what it's like to have a payment, and that payment comes every single month. It comes at the same time every single month. They have me in handcuffs. There's no way around it. There's, you know, if I'm going to raise my standard of living, the only way I know to do that is to go deeper in debt. And when I go deeper in debt, now I feel like I'm in prison, and you are. So here's what God's saying. I want you to be free. I want you to be free to follow me. And the thing of it is, you can't be free to follow me. You, you can't be free to give me your whole heart. When you're a slave to the lender, you, you just can't. You can't be free to love the people in your life. You're not free to love them the way that you want to love them, right? And some of you know that this is true. Some of the reason that you're, you're, you're struggling in your marriage is because you're struggling in your finances and you've, you've tried to raise your standard of living. The only way that you knew to raise your standard of living 
Well, to do it fast was to be able to go into debt. And so you went into debt. And so now you feel the pressure. And you feel the pressure so every single day you've got to get up and go to work. And that would be bad enough. That would be bad enough. And so you have to work on sick days and you have to work on holidays because you have a high, high consumer debt. And some of you, some of you are in so much debt that you have to actually have a second job. And you're kind of angry about that because you think you deserve all the nice stuff that you have, but the only way that you could have that nice stuff and to raise your standard of living is to work a second job. And now the people in your life are also struggling. And those relationships that you're in, they're struggling. You aren't free to love people. You know why? Because you owe, you owe, and it's off to work you go. So we're in prison, and we're bound. And somehow you were raised in church to think all that God wants is your money. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't want your money. What he wants you to be is free. He wants you to be free so that you can love him, so that you can follow him. And some of you would love to follow him. Some of you would love to give him your whole heart, but you can't give him your whole heart because the bank has a piece of your heart. So I would highly recommend, I would highly encourage you to find some type of debt retirement plan. And there's tons of them out there. It's, it's still funny to me that in the Christian world, there are guys out there willing to help you for 150 bucks. And I scratch my head and I think, what? You want to help people get out of debt by making them go into debt to take your, anyway, that's just me. Find some kind of program. Find some kind of plan and stick to it. Second thing that I would say is, is just have a sale. If you're going to make a correction, one of those is going to have to be, I'm going to have to adjust my debt. The second thing will probably mean, as you want to adjust your debt, some, for some of you it means I'm going to have to sell some stuff. Karen will tell you. For many, many years, if I had it, it was for sale. If we, got, if we struggled one month, if there was a couple of months in a row that we struggled financially, I started looking around at what, what is it that we can sell. Because I didn't want the stress and the strain. Driving that car didn't mean that much to me, nor did it mean that much to her. So we're going to have to sell something. For some of you, that may mean that you bought a car that you can't afford. You wanted to raise your standard of living. You, you didn't want to just work hard, save, put a little money back, buy and sell. You didn't want to do that. So you decided that we're just going to jump into debt. So you jumped into debt. Now, why did you jump into debt to buy that car? Maybe, maybe because you were under the impression that that car was, was some type of status symbol. So like when you roll into work and everybody see you driving that, whatever it is that you're driving, they go, wow, man, he must be doing really, really good. She must be doing really, really, really good. And you're not doing really, really good. You're in debt up to your eyeballs. You barely have enough money to put gas in the car so that you can roll onto, onto the parking lot at work, right? This is, this is a radical statement because I'm a radical guy. Cars aren't meant for status. Guess what? They're meant for transportation. So guess what? You may need to sell that car. And you may need to get a more reasonable I have noticed over the years back, when I was a kid, we called them used cars. 
Any, anybody else old enough to remember back in the day when you said, it was, we're going to buy a used car? There's three of us. And, and now they're pre-owned cars. <laughs> pre-owned sounds better, I guess. I'm not really sure. But you, you might need to, to, to lower that payment, or you might need to buy something where you have no payment at all. And I remember growing up thinking, I remember being taught, really as a kid, as a teenager, I remember being taught that you will always have a car payment. It'll just, you'll, the law of the land is that you'll always have a car payment. Karen and I can, can testify that, believe it or not, you don't always have to have a car payment. That's a lie. You don't. Or a motorcycle payment. Let's get off of motorcycles. So buy something cheaper. Now, you know, these aren't, these messages are it's something, you know, we've, we've talked about a lot over the years. And, and every single time that we do, there's always somebody out there that's always thinking, wow, I could never do that. I could never sell my Harley. I know I sinned. Lord, forgive me. Um, I could never sell my boat. I could never sell... That car, I could never sell, whatever it is. And so right now there's a little bit of stress going on for you. You know, maybe, maybe you're sitting there with your husband and your wife. You want to look at each other. You want to, you want to kind of say, yeah, I tell you, I've been telling you we need to sell that. You know, and, you're, and so there's a little bit of stress, a little bit of strain. And so if you're thinking right now, I could never do that, let me share with you this verse of Scripture. It's out of Ezekiel chapter 20, verse 7. And I said to them, each of you, Get rid of the vile images that you have set your eyes on and do not defile yourselves with the idols of Egypt for I am the Lord your God. Could it be? Could it be? I know for me, my, I hate to say this, especially with Karen sitting right here, there have been times I really, I love cars. I just loved them. I just wanted one with air. But then I wanted one with because we went from the 8-track to the cassette. Y'all remember? Y'all remember when we went from the 8-track to the cassette? Y'all, some of y'all like me, you remember when we went to nothing and had the big, thick. Remember you had to put the, like you'd have to put something in it to raise it. Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. So that it would play correct. If you didn't, it would be all. Anyway, there you go. And then, then when we went from the cassette to a CD player, have mercy. So you keep having to upgrade, right? I love that technology. You just want to get in and pop my CD in. Now you can hook up your phone. It's crazy. What is it that you idolize? What is it that you're hanging on to so tight that you can't bear to let go of? So you're in debt up to your eyeballs. You're struggling financially. Your relationships are struggling. You know why? Because you're not free. You thought God wanted your money. So I don't want your money. I want you to be free. I want you to be free to love me. I want you to be free to follow me. I want you to be free to love other people. I want you to be so free that you'll have enough money. You'll have extra money left over. There'll be margin left over at the, at the end of every month. So that if you have a neighbor who has a need, you can just give. But you can't. So you're going to have to make some corrections, some adjustments. Have a sale. The third law, whenever you're balancing something, you have to have a clear objective, right? So what's my objective? This is really simple. What's my objective? To balance the bad. It's not hard. It's not high financial stuff. So the thing of it is, is what's my objective 
with my finances. Matthew chapter 6, I think, gives us a really good clue. Jesus said, For wherever your treasure is, whatever that thing is that you love, whatever that thing is that you're in debt up to your eyeballs for, that's where your heart is. Have you ever been in a relationship and you felt like you were competing with the person's attention or affection for their stuff? You ever felt that way? Ladies, you ever felt like your husband valued golf or football or hunting or a car or his motorcycle? Have you ever have you ever been in a relationship? Have you ever had a friend that you felt like, you know, you, he just couldn't be, they couldn't be, she couldn't be, he couldn't be quite as loyal to you, you know? I mean, there was that thing, right? They, they couldn't really, because you, you were always in competition with them. For that thing that they valued. And really, at the end of the day, you feel like they value that thing, possessing that thing more than, than you. See, Jesus says, wherever your treasure is, your heart follows. Which means that if you want to know where someone's heart is, don't judge their spirituality by the fact that they come to church every single Sunday. I grew up that way. I grew up that way. I grew up that preachers were beating us over the head every single week because they wanted to get us in church every Sunday. They wanted the place full every single Sunday. So if you're not here every single Sunday, it means you don't love Jesus. And you don't love us. And I thought that was just it. You know what? That's not it at all. Church, church I love it. I love the people that I get to talk to every single week. I talked to a lady sitting right down here a few weeks ago. She says, I love to come to church. I didn't grow up in church. I, I missed church for a number of years, and now I just I can't wait to get up every single Sunday and be in church. And those are the people that I want to be here, those people that just love it, you know? And so when you get here, the interactions and the relationships that you have, I mean, it's so sweet that you just you want to be here every single week. Not that you have to be. Not that we're going to beat you over the head. If you don't come, you're going, going to die and go to hell. That's not true. If you want to know how somebody, how spiritual somebody is, don't just, don't just judge their life by how much they attend church. You know what you do? Look at their checkbook. That's when you'll see how much they love Jesus. Look at their visa statement. So Jesus is saying, you know what? I want your heart. And what I know is that your heart is going to follow your stuff. And I don't want to compete with your stuff. That's what God's saying. I want your heart because I want your heart. I know your heart tends to follow your stuff. Then I want you to surrender. I want you to surrender your stuff to me. It's so one of the things that Karen and I have learned over the years is that everything we have, God's gave it to us. And, and, and part of what we have is to steward what we have. It's, it's not just for us and for our consumption. And we're so spiritual, so we just can't wait to give all of our stuff away. That's not true. So we struggle with that from time to time. I think if she, she would say, yeah, we struggle. There's times when we go, ah, I kind of like to hang on to that, though. You know what I'm saying? And, and, but then we realize that God has blessed us with more so that we could use that to bless somebody else. God says, listen, I want your stuff. 
I want your stuff because your heart's going to follow your stuff. So what I want is your heart. It's all I've ever wanted. So what's the objective with our finances? I've already said it. What's the objective with our finances? Our objective is to surrender everything to God, all of our finances, all of our stuff to God. Why? So that I'll be free to love God and love others. So there won't be something standing between me loving God. I won't be more, given more time to, more of my affection to, more of my money too. I'll be free. I'll be free. Being debt free is freedom. That's why you come every Sunday to hear me expound words of wisdom. It's to be free. You don't have to spend the rest of your life with a car payment. You don't. That's a lie. Don't let anybody lie to you. And you'll be free to love others. I mean, really love them. You won't have to work a second job and a third job. You won't have to work all that overtime. Because you know what? You'll be able to give that time to the people that you love. You'll be free to love them. That's the objective. Here's the next statement that Jesus makes. Luke 16. <laughs> no one can serve two masters. Now watch this closely because it seems like Jesus gets it wrong. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so we'll look at that and go, whoa, 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 Jesus, I think you messed up. You know, I think maybe you were looking over here, you got distracted, maybe somebody was talking, I don't know. But shouldn't, like, the best contrast would have been you can't serve God and the devil, right? No, he got it right. Jesus would say, no, you know, the conflict that you face every single day is with me and your stuff. That's, that's the biggest tension in your life. So are you going to serve your stuff? Are you going to serve your accumulation of stuff? Are you going to serve protecting your stuff and ensuring your stuff and having more stuff? And then, and then, then when you get a little older, making sure your kids have stuff? And then that their stuff is protected? So are you going to spend all of your time, all of your effort, and all of your energy on stuff or me and the people that you love? And just so you know, that tension is never going to go away. How many times have you ever asked God to help you? I know I've done this. I'm probably the only one. Y'all are a lot smarter than me. Have you, have you ever, like, prayed and asked God to help you make what you really knew was a bad financial decision? Has anybody else ever done that? My hand's up. <laughs> I've done that. I knew it was stupid, you know. So have you ever said, Lord, we need a new house. We need a new house. You ever said, we want a new house. We need a new house. We need more room, right? We need more room so I can put my 65, my 75, my 85-inch TV, you know, I, we don't have a wall big enough, so we need a new house for that. Whatever your thing is, 
And so you start with a need, and then, and then, you know, so you start looking around at houses, and you see those, and you see the price tag. Have you ever gone to God and said, God, please, in the name of Jesus, oh, God, if it's your will, please let this loan go through. You know it's a bad decision. You know it's going to stretch you financially. You know when you do that, you're thinking to yourself, now, we're not going to probably go out to eat as much, but we'll be home in our nice new home, you know. So we'll be able to spend actually more time with the family. So you start to rationalize, right? So you do that, and then you begin to pray. And then, and then you know, you know that really it's going to be a miracle, and they call you from the bank, and they said, you got the loan? And you go, thank you, Jesus. It had to be a miracle. Nobody in their right mind would have loaned us that much money. It must have been God's will. No, it wasn't. That was the devil. You know how I know that? Because here's a word that I've used a lot this morning. God wants you to be free. Man, the devil don't want you to be free. He wants you to be in prison. He wants you to be locked up and bound up. He wants for the main thought every day, how are we going to pay that bill? How can I make a little bit more money so that, so that I, can, so I can pay that bill? He, he wants you to be in prison. He wants you to be a slave to the lender. And God says, I want you to be free. I want you to be free to love me. And I want you to be free to love the people in your life. So I want to give you an assignment. You have those sheets. Again, it's high finance stuff. Really, this is, this is beautiful. Uh, what you have on this side is, is, uh, is what I've talked about this morning. And that is simply write down the date, the description of what you bought, and then how much it cost. It's really simple. Jared McNear, who is, who is a genius in my humble opinion, uh, he's the one who really, after reading the message and processing all this, he, he actually got very detailed. And, and that's what you have to do with your finances. If you really want to be free, then you've, you've got to get detailed with your finances. And you've got to start, because people will they'll think about a house payment and a car payment, but they'll forget about insurance. I don't know how many times I've talked to people who bought a car and, and their insurance went up, and they go, <gasps> gee, we didn't know that when I went from that $2,500 car to that $25,000 car that my insurance was actually going to go up, you think? Going to be a little more to insure the $25,000, isn't it, than the $2,500? So here's the thing. Take this sheet. Go home. I want, you, I want you to think about it. I want you to process it. Is it because the church wants more of your money? Of course. Just kidding. Kind of. Um, <clears throat> you want honesty, don't you? Don't you want integrity? Don't you want me to be gut-level honest with you? I want us as a church, if at all possible, to be debt-free. Why? Are we struggling financially? No. Are we struggling to make a payment? No. But I think, what can we do with the money that we have to pay the bank? That's just that's the way I think. Is it going to take a miracle? You better believe it. It's going to take a miracle. Somewhere, some... Body's going to have to stroke a big, fat check. You guys are doing amazing. Just so you know, um, we've had about $351,000 that's been committed over three years. Out of that, we've had almost a third of that that's already been given and in the bank. Isn't that cool? And again, so if you're like brand new, and, and, or maybe you weren't here that day and you've kind of missed it, so we've also had a donor that says, I'm going to match dollar for dollar, 
up to 400,000. So we're going to take that 350,000 and we're going to turn that into 700,000. Wow, that's sweet, isn't it? So we've already experienced a miracle, but we need two million. Are you with me? So am I beating you over the head? No, I'm not beating you over the head. I'm just telling you it's going to take a miracle. So as, as, as we, I want us to be as free as we can to love God with our whole heart. And I want us to be as free as we can to love the people in this community to the best of our ability. Maybe you're here this morning, you're not a follower of Jesus, and you just realized, maybe you come in this morning thinking, you know what, my life's out of balance. Now, maybe for you, honestly, you're thinking, finances, are you kidding me? That's the least of my worries. You just feel this, this struggle, this conflict every single day in your life because you've been battling with self, right? And you've been battling with sin issues and you've tried to be better. I mean, if you come to church, I've said it for years, if you've never been to church and you show up at church on a Sunday morning, you're desperate. Let's just admit it. You're, you're absolutely desperate. You've tried everything else that the world had to offer, but you still, you're just out of balance. You're not, you're not at peace. You know why? It's because it, that sin in your life is destroying your life, isn't it? Here's what Jesus said. I, God said, I love you so much that I'm going to pay the price. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to take care of your sin problem, not my sin problem. I'm going to do everything I can to take care of your sin problem so that we can be in a relationship, so that you can be free to love me. So God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, and his son so loved us that he was willing to go to the cross and on the cross die, shed his blood, to pay the penalty for our sin. And sin's got you held captive. Sin has you bound. And God said, I want you to be free. Free. To never worry again that there's something between me and you. And you're going to say, yeah, yeah, but, but I still mess up. Of course you do. But what, what sin did Jesus pay for? All of it. So when you ask him right now, if you're not a follower of Jesus, what sin am I going to ask him to forgive me of? All your sin. All of it. All your past. All your present. And guess what? Go ahead and say I know me, I'm pretty much going to mess up before I get home. Somebody will pull out in front of me in the parking lot. I'll say stuff I shouldn't say. I'll wave at them, kind of. And, and they'll think, he just come out of church. And I mean, if, so if you can just like, if I can lose my salvation over sin, I don't have any hope. No, Jesus took care of all of it. You're free. You can be free. You're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. No one's looking around. You're not a follower of Jesus and you'd like to be. Maybe you'd pray something like this. God, my life's a mess. I know my life's out of balance. And financially, that's just a little piece of it. There's so much more to it than that. There's just the sin junk in my life that I've tried to be better and I've tried to do better. But I still fail miserably. So I understand that what you did on the cross was that you paid the penalty for all my sin. All my sin for all time. Wow. Wow. It's hard to imagine, God, that kind of love. 
that you didn't know any sin. You never sinned, but you became sin for me. Wow, the depth of that love is more than I can imagine. So thank you for dying on the cross to pay the penalty for it. And, and I believe that you're alive, that you were raised on the third day because I know that what I feel right now is not something that's dead, but something that's alive. It's, you're alive. I'm experiencing your presence right now. And so to the best of my ability, I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sin. I'm asking you to step into my life, be my Savior. And from this day forward, I just want to follow you. I want to be free. Free from the burden of sin. To freely follow you for the rest of my life. Lord, you are amazing. Absolutely, totally amazing. What you've done, Lord, for our freedom. The reason that you care about our finances, God, is because you want a relationship with us. Lord, you want us to be free to love you. And you want us to be free to not just love you, but to love the people around us. And Lord, for a lot of us, we've just made some really bad financial decisions. Maybe now that we understand the, the objective, is that we'll be willing to make the corrections. That we'll be willing to sit down and know the state of our flock. To know the state of our finances. And Lord, that you'll lead us through that find freedom it's in your sweet name we pray Amen